Welcome and thank you for joining us for the NABIP Healthcare Happy Hour, the official podcast of the National Association of Benefits and Insurance Professionals. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The podcast is distributed on these platforms every Friday and is included in NABIP's weekly member-exclusive health policy newsletter, The Washington Update, giving you a head start on your healthcare happy hour. NABIP submitted a comment letter in response to a proposed rule on mental health parity this week. Mental health parity and network adequacy in the mental health space has been a prime issue for employers across the country and NABIP for several years now. This new proposed rule was issued early last month. On this week's episode of the Healthcare Happy Hour, Senior Vice President of Government Affairs John Green is back on the pod to discuss the proposed rule and our comments. So. Because it's been some time since we talked parity on the happy hour, this is a dense topic, especially for those who don't follow this issue very closely. So would you mind briefly explaining what mental health parity is and the requirements that plan sponsors have in this area? Sure, Dan, I'd be glad to. And welcome back, everybody. So the Consolidated Appropriations Act actually did some updating of the mental health parity law that was passed in 2008 uh, by adding a new requirement that health plan issuers and cover mental health and substance abuse disorders and medical surge benefits, that they prepare a comparative analysis of any non-quantitative treatment limits that apply. But let's take a step back how we started 2008. It was a desire to be able to demonstrate some parity between medical surgical um, versus uh, mental health and substance abuse and create some sort of measure of of parity in doing so uh, between those benefits. What we got out of the regulatory agencies has been very confusing, and particularly with regard to non-quantitative limits. And this new comparative analysis requirement is actually making it even more difficult to understand and comply. And so our comment letter is actually around 30 pages long. It is probably one of the most comprehensive comment letters that we've submitted in quite some time. It's very detailed. And as we go through this podcast, we'll talk about some of the themes that run throughout our comments. And if you're interested in reading the comment letter while you listen, you can access the comment letter on nabip.org under advocacy or in this week's Washington update. Now, let's discuss this proposed rule that we submitted comments on. First things first, does this proposed rule acknowledge that plan sponsors do not have the degree of control over networks that the government appears to think that they do? Well, no, as a matter of fact, that's one of the big issues and the uh, misperception that somehow employers have control over all their partners who actually control or hold the data, TPAs and health plans and, and other sources of this information are not at the fingertips of, of employers. They have to 
ask for it. And one of those themes that arises consistently is the fact that it's very difficult to get this information from our partners for a variety of reasons, which are outlined in our comment letter. Some will do so for a fee, but also they when they, they give it to us when they want to give it to us. So there's not always, you know, in a timely fashion, another problem with getting the data. And the threat of penalties for non-compliance always hang on the employer and no one else. So overall, this draft regulation includes quite a bit of guidance on these comparative analyses that you mentioned, additional info on non-compliance and what happens as a result of that, and new requirements for carriers as well, among other items. So what would you say were our recommendations to the administration? So we urge the departments to directly specify in any final rule that a plan sponsor can meet their compliance obligation and fiduciary duty by simply requesting such information from the service provider, and that we clearly document such requests, advising service providers who do not provide such data for the plan to meet their comparative analysis and plan evaluation requirements, that they will consider the vendor's refusal to provide data negatively when conducting routine reviews of plan providers. So the point here is that we make a good faith effort to collect this information. And as long as we can document that it's been requested and it was not furnished, that we're held harmless. And that is another theme throughout this comment letter is safe harbors and hold harmless employers who make good faith efforts to collect the information. We also ask for specification that group-specific data is needed to conduct an operational stringency test. This comes up a lot, these stringency tests of NQTLs that are administered on a group-specific basis. So it's things like pre-auth, step therapy, and concurrent review that a mandate that service providers have a fiduciary responsibility provide their clients with access to their own data as needed for NTQL and QTL testing, and further a requirement to provide an up-to-date information to plan sponsors in a timely fashion, because this is, as I said before, a, a persistent problem. And so examples of categories of information service providers must provide to ensure adequate operational testing of NTQLs developed and maintained by service providers. So, for example, the number or total of mental health substance abuse claims subject to prior authorization, numbers approved, numbers denied, numbers appealed, and so on, that is all necessary for doing these analyses. With regard to the penalties, it's interesting, you know, we've been We've talked to DOL for over a decade about this issue around network adequacy, and it's been a, a real area of contention between employers and providers in the federal agency. And they take an interesting tack here to skirt around directly this issue of network adequacy by substituting reimbursement as a measure of parity. So, for example, if they think that uh, MedSurge is being paid higher relative to mental health or substance abuse, then that is a break of uh, parity. 
all right, some non-compliance. And I think it's kind of unfortunate that the federal agencies would look to try to use reimbursement and get engaged in that area when I don't think it's within their purview to do so. But it's a, it's a clever way to get around uh, directly addressing the network adequacy and having to address the workforce issues that we know is very prevalent in mental health. When the department set out to create new rules, the intention, I thought, at the beginning was to actually simplify and make clear how testing was to be performed to increase compliance. And in fact, this does the opposite. It misses the mark by quite a bit. It actually expands to self-insured plans, new requirements that did not exist before. And of course, because of the Consolidated Appropriations Act for comparative analysis, it just actually is more complicated than it ever was even before. Now, um, some in Congress have also taken notice of this. The Education and Workforce Committee, which holds jurisdiction over mental health parity employer plans, is specifically interested in uh, this issue. And we've been working with them closely on our thoughts on this. Actually, Jessica, our new CEO, and I met with uh, committee staff and talked about this issue directly. And so we've shared our comments with them. And we'll see if the committee decides that there's some legislative action that they need to take, um, particularly with regard to these penalties and overstepping of their jurisdictional authority. It is now time for the NABIP Healthcare Happy Hour Toast of the Week. So, John, what are we toasting to this week? Well, this week we're going to uh, toast to the fall weather. I know many of us have suffered through an extremely warm summer, and we we're hearing about climate change, and boy, we've all felt it this summer for sure. So let's toast to cooler weather and Halloween and all those wonderful holidays that fall in the uh, fall. In the fall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Thank you for joining us for NAPIP's Healthcare Happy Hour, the official podcast of the National Association of Benefits and Insurance Professionals. For more information on NABIP's government affairs efforts or to become a member, visit nabip.org.